Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On today's show... We look back at a Thanksgiving feast full of games, including a much-needed win to round out the weekend. And Kimball Walker looks bored, and that may be a good thing. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We're glad you're joining us here on this Monday. We're back in action. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. We took a couple of days off, David. Took a little Thanksgiving vacation. Hope everyone out there enjoyed their time with the family. I know we certainly enjoyed a few days of just of just watching Hornets basketball and not necessarily coming on to immediately react, but we've got a lot of reaction in this one. Yeah, that's right. I just did it at my house by myself. You weren't there, Doug, so I just <laughs> react. I just went into the mirror. I went in the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and just had you know a quick one-on-one okay. podcast. Oh, cool. No, you podcasted yourself. That's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, listen, sometimes you got to handle it yourself. Um, yeah, I'm oh, sure geez. it was. What? What? <laughs> Uh, You're so right. Listen, what? So, what did you? Do you have any Thanksgiving traditions? Did you have a good time on your vacation? I did have a good time on vacation. We 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 stuck around here, but you know, we just get together with the family, and it's pretty routine. You know, turkey, watching football, sit around, hopefully fall asleep, take a nap or two. It was delightful. It's nice not having basketball on Thanksgiving. You know, it's nice not having to just sort of focus in on that. You can take at least one day. You know, I was tweeting a little bit here and there for the for the other games, but it's nice not having basketball on on Thanksgiving. They don't need to go into that territory, I feel like. But the NFL, I think, is creeping into Christmas Day this year, uh, so that should be interesting. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe the NBA, maybe the NBA has to retaliate at that. Maybe point. they have to come back out of strong. All right, well, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. If you're just, maybe you're just finding us, uh, maybe over the Thanksgiving holiday, you wanted to look up and see if there were any podcasts on the Charlotte Hornets. First, we say welcome. Uh, We've been doing this for three plus seasons now, and we go every single weekday, Monday through Friday, catching you up on all the Hornets news and analysis that you need to, want to know. And uh, we also do a live show on Tuesdays, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, go to iTunes, search Locked On, and you'll find not only Locked On Hornets, but you're going to find podcasts on the NFL, on the NBA, golf, fantasy sports, It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Okay, so we've been gone for a few days. A lot has happened. Three games have been played over that span. So we're going to do our catch-up segment, much better than our mustard segment. It's called Since You've Been Gone. We may have been off for a few days, David, but the bad jokes, they, they don't. It's like riding a bicycle, David. You just get, you get right back on it, and then you make a bad joke. Okay, first up on Since We've Been Gone, uh, we have to talk about this. So you had the loss against the Spurs on, on national television, and I tweeted after the game that it was, it was a fantastic game, first of all, one of the best games I've seen played in the NBA, yep. not just the Charlotte Hornets, but the NBA as well. And there were so many good things that you can take away from that game. But ultimately, I think everyone, when we sort of look back on this season and pick out some, you know, uh, linchpin points during the season, I think we'll look at this game and I think we'll look at those final couple of possessions against San Antonio. And they, they've had some, the Hornets have had some late game execution problems this season, David. What do you see going on there? Well, Doug, we've highlighted the inbound uh, errors in the past, and they came up by, back to bite them at the end of this game, too. I mean, Marvin was just a little too nonchalant with the inbounds pass to Kemba. And then, I, I'll be honest, I thought the five-second call was a little a little quick. Um, I don't know. It just seemed a little quick to me. I know they recounted again, but you can't put yourself in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. As far as just the execution down the stretch though something i think you started to see towards the end of this losing streak and then in the last game versus the knicks just to jump ahead a little bit was a lot more going to the basket and you saw that in the spurs game kemba i mean was a one-man wrecking crew going to the basket late in this game getting them back into it um but at the end of the day i mean the spurs are the spurs and that's what i took away from that game i think you're right that was one of the better games in the league this season and i think the hornets played well i mean for the most part they had their errors and mistakes that you can't have against the spurs especially but really they played well on national tv um and kimba walker had a good game which i thought was going to be important because they're not going to get a whole lot of national uh, national games, right? So they're not going to get a whole lot of eyes that don't normally watch them settle down to watch them the night before Thanksgiving and, and see a good effort. And I think that is what you saw. So that was a good thing to take away from that game. And Spurs are, hey, they're really good. Kawhi Leonard's freaking unbelievable. Um, and they're just tough to stop. Yeah, that turnaround fadeaway shot, they gave him his 29th and 30th point of the night put mm. the put the Spurs up late in that one by six uh that was you know it's it's one of those shots where you go it's nice to have a Kawhi Leonard on your team that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. it's nice yeah. to have a Hall of Famer I mean Tony Parker had the three-pointer uh with with uh under 30 to go that um yep. and he, you know he only had again it's just one of those things where when you have a Hall of Famer like Tony Parker on your team it doesn't matter he didn't even, I didn't even score we ended up scoring in double digits because of some late, you know, garbage free throws. But right. that three pointer, he, he got the a, deflection, and yeah. he got the deflection yeah. too. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you know you have to when you when you when you put yourself in a situation where it's back and forth, back and forth, then you absolutely have to execute in those late game situations because the Spurs were not going to give give the Hornets anything. And then the same thing happened. I thought, you know, against the New York Knicks, uh, the first mm-hmm. game in in New York. 
except this time it was less about one or two plays in the fourth quarter and just about an overall uh, slipping in the third quarter. And that's been the Hornets' quarter. But they allow the Knicks to score 27 points in that quarter to the Hornets' 18. Let the yeah. Knicks back into that game. And then, you know, late in the game, again, you, you allow – uh, a team uh, to put yep. the ball in the hands of someone like Carmelo Anthony who can go one on one and and it just uh, you know it ended up not going in the the Hornets favor. Yeah, so in that game Doug, I think you hit on a couple of highlights that I was thinking of. It's something that we saw against the Pelicans that started this losing streak was that you let a team like that hang around, but a team that's got guys that are superstars. And really in Porzingis, I mean, a superstar on the rise, I think, too. But he did not have a good game in that first go-round. But, you know, the Hornets were out to a 10-point lead, I think, in the third or fourth quarter of that game and did not put the Knicks away. I mean, some of their late-game execution wasn't great, uh, but they still had a chance, even in overtime, to come back and win that game. And that's what they're going to have to learn. And you saw that, especially in, the, like I said, the Pelicans game where they let them hang around. Uh, they had a similar type lead that they just couldn't, you know, put the foot on the neck of the other team there and and the, and if you got a guy like Carmelo who was clearly going from the very first shot that night I mean you just knew it was going to come down to him I mean MKG was all over him too I mean so we've seen that before from Melo versus MKG and the and the Hornets or uh whatever Charlotte team it was I can't even remember at the time but you know that's the thing that I thought they took away from that game you got to close those games out and it was good to see the bounce back certainly playing on the second night of a back-to-back here in Charlotte. Um, but And, you know, they lost Marvin, of course, in that game too. So that had to hurt. Yeah, the Hornets do get the win in that second game of the back-to-back, 107-102 over the Knicks. And it, it was an important game because uh, we saw – the uh, this is sort of the next point here. Lamb going ham, just absolutely Woo. going insane. Eight of fifteen from the field, only one three pointer. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't just jump shooting. I mean, he was getting to the rim. But here's the big number: seventeen rebounds, eighteen points, seventeen rebounds. That seventeen rebound mark. That's a high for a guard this season. Only he and uh, one Russell Westbrook have more than fifteen at the guard position. David. What I mean, what what do you think sparked this huge lamb game? I don't know. Fresh legs. Fresh legs. That's a, that, that's all. Season. I think that's all you can say at this point. I mean, I it mean, was it was every, a guy who yeah. was just hungry. Everyone else had played, of course, the previous night uh, for the most part on both teams. He had not played in almost a month, so he mentioned after the game numerous times he was headed straight to the ice bath, and I'm sure he did. But he was huge. I mean, the good thing about that, Doug, is he really picked up where. He left off, I think, on the good parts of his game that we saw just in that limited time early in the season. I mean, aggressive scoring with relative ease, I mean, against a lot of those Nick defenders and really filling in on the boards. I mean, you look back at some of these losses and and the Hornets, especially in that first one against the Knicks, were getting destroyed on the boards. So they needed everybody to help out and get some of those offensive rebounds. So. Gosh, I mean, and, and you got you to mention Frank, too, I think. I mean, they put those two guys in the starting lineup, kept Bellinelli with the second unit because he's been playing so well offensively, and they want to keep that, you know, keep that groove going. So, man, I mean, if Lamb can be that guy, that's what we've talked about ever since the preseason, right? Is it going to be Frank? Is it going to be Lamb? If they can string a couple of these games together where they're consistently giving – I mean, those look. I don't think he's going to get 17 rebounds a game. Probably be, unsustainable. That would, that'd be some sort of record. But um, you know, I think those guys should be commended because they played well. And another game they had to have 
when they, they almost let that one slip away too, but um, they had to, they just needed to get a win. I mean, they just needed to get a win. It didn't feel like a lot longer than four games. It did. And and I think that, again, Jeremy Lamb just having that sort of secret weapon who, and I absolutely think it was fresh legs because all of these players coming off that back-to-back, and for the Hornets especially, uh, they've been a team that have played a lot of games in a short stretch of time. That's going to continue into the next few weeks. Yeah. They have four games uh, this week, four games next week. So and that's, the following week. And the following week. So it's not letting up anytime soon. So having Jeremy Lamb be able to come out and give you uh, almost 36 minutes in place of Nick Batum, who was dealing with a corneal abrasion, a little eye scratch. Uh, But yeah, yeah, to give you 18 points. And you hope that when he does have those minutes reduced to, you know, 25, 20, 25, somewhere in there, that he can still give you 14 to 16 points yeah, every other night because the Horn- that's what the Hornets need. They need a consistent score off the bench at the wing position because, as you said, Frank Kaminsky, who also started in this game in place of the injured Marvin Williams, but he has been getting consistently better uh, fr- playing off the bench. He continues to improve. Overall in this season, 12 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3 assists with splits of 43.7. 32.3 from three, that's that's too low for, for his skill yeah. set. And then 73.9 on the year from the free throw line. But in the last five games, David, he raises that to 15 points, 5.4 rebounds, and three assists with splits of 45, 38.5 from three, and 80% from the line in the last five. He's one of the, he's one of the only Hornets right now who is improving at the free throw line in these last five games. Oh, man. We should talk about that a little bit, Doug. I mean, 42 free throws against the Knicks on Saturday night and yeah. you know, barely hit half of them. I mean, that was the strength of this team at the beginning of the season. I guess you could chalk that up to legs as well, right? I mean, I don't know. I think, I think well, I think it's fair in, in that sense, but it has been trending downwards. So, I mean, you're a little, it's, it's, you're raising an eyebrow at that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been an issue all season. And as we talked about in the last, in, in one of the last shows, they were one of the top five teams in in not only taking free throws but also making free throws. Their percentage was yeah. was up there last season. This and they haven't really changed. It's not like you bring a Dwight Howard or someone who is just going to drag your free throw percentage way down. In fact, Roy Hibbert, their big man that they added this season, is is good at free throws. One, been one of the better free throw shooters for the Hornets this season. No. I, I don't know what the issue is. In fact, it was a question, uh, one of our listener questions from Dwayne. What do you attribute the free throw woes to? I mean, honestly, it's it's just one of those things that I attribute to focus. I mean, it's it's just something that you have to be able to do. Uh, and, and there's really, you know, these guys have been shooting free throws their whole lives. This is not something, you know, it's some people are bad at free throws. It's a baked in kind of thing. But then with we've seen players that are normally much better at shooting free throws, uh, K- Kimball Walker, Nick Batu, Marvin Williams, these guys missing free throws. It's just something you have to do. It's been well, I, I'll let I'll let Steve Clifford, head coach Steve Clifford, after the game, he talked about how big of a factor it's been. Major. I mean, we would have won last night. We probably would have beaten San Antonio, and we almost cost us a game tonight. I mean, that's the reality. You know, look, it's a make or make, miss or make league. I mean, our free throw shooting is killing us. I mean, we got to make free throws. You know, you, those are the best possession you can have by the numbers is to get fouled, but not if you're making one out of two. And the Hornets do it. They're top five in the league in getting to the free throw line. That's the thing. It's like if you're going. 
if you're going to make something a major part of your offense, then you have to execute it. This is no different, David, than saying, okay, the Hornets are now going to be a three-point shooting focused team offensively. And then you shoot, you know, under 35% from from the arc. If you shoot or, you know, shoot around 30, 33%, that's going to kill your team if that's where the offensive focus is. Well, for the Hornets, a lot of the offensive focus is getting to the free throw line. And you know they did it against uh, they did it against the Knicks in this in this win one hundred seven one hundred two. Let's see what the final numbers were in that one. Actually, forty two no. attempts. Yeah, right. twenty two attempts. That's actually low for the Hornets. And, and several of these other games, they've been able to get that up to almost thirty forty a game. So you know if you're going to do that, you can't shoot under seventy percent. That's going to cost you. That's going to cost you double digit points every game. Yeah, they should have been much more. That Knicks game on Saturday shouldn't have been close, and they should have won the one on Friday night. They missed 10. I think uh, Kemba and Frank both missed the tail end of three-point plays. Or maybe it was the technical fouls I'm thinking of, but they missed those too. So hopefully, I mean, sometimes it's just like one of those things that's contagious, you know? Like you see one guy miss, and then it just keeps on rolling through the, throughout the team. Because, I mean, there are they are good free-throw shooters. Like Bellinelli up until a week ago, like hadn't missed one or missed one all season. And now he's clanking off every other one or every third one. So maybe, I mean, you mentioned the games, they're not going to have much rest. I mean, they've got, that's why I think you're right. You have to attribute a lot of it to just concentration and locking in. And it's, it becomes a mental thing up there because these guys obviously know how to shoot free throws, but uh, you know, as Clifford mentioned it, it has cost them some games and it could have cost them on, on Saturday. So there's nothing else to do about it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of coaching or correction you can do for those free throws, I don't think. No, no, that's what makes it such a frustrating thing, but it's something that, that is definitely worth watching in the next couple of games. Okay, finally, a few injuries to report. Uh, nothing new if you've been listening to the show and have been a Hornets fan this season. Uh, injuries have been the story. They they got healthy, what, for, for all of an entire half before, yeah. uh, before dealing with a few. Uh, and these aren't like... The, the frustrating thing is that these aren't the type of injuries. It's like, well, you know, he's dinged up, may miss a game. I mean, they've been dealing with bone bruises and hamstrings, which are, they're not only, oh, they're going to miss a week or two. It's like, they got to be reevaluated and they could miss several mm-hmm. games after that. And even when you get them back, you've got to work them in. It's, you know, it's, it's just these really, really frustrating injuries for a team to deal with. Marvin Williams and Marco Bellinelli, the latest victims. Bellinelli dealing with the hamstring issue that he suffered uh, in that last contest, so uh, he could be he could miss uh, this game against Memphis tonight, uh, or at least be limited. And then Marvin Williams uh, expected to miss about a week, maybe more, after an MRI revealed a bone bruise in his left knee. Get him out of here, David. These bone bruises. I'm done with them. I want a cure for the bone bruise. The team said Saturday that an MRI showed no structural damage, so that's good news. No MCL, ACL type of injury. Uh, Williams, again, sat out against uh, the Knicks Saturday night. All right, uh, one more question from Dwayne. Can this team be a serious contender in the Eastern Conference the way the roster is currently constructed? So Dwayne is assuming here, David, that the Hornets do get healthy. They get everyone back. They get the rotation set with this roster of players can they be a serious contender to the Cleveland Cavaliers and Toronto Raptors of the world? No, not the club, not the Cavaliers, but I mean, in my eyes, the East shakes out just like you see it right now. We've got the, the Cavs 
and then a significant drop off to basically everyone else. I mean, I think they can be in that everyone else group if they play up to their 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 talent level and everyone stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, they can play with the Celtics. They can play with the Raptors. I think you've seen that. They play with the Spurs. Um, so and and the Grizzlies, who are two of the top teams in the West. So. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's catching the Cavs. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's just the reality. I mean, no one's catching this Cavs right now. I think it answers the question, and it, and it brings up what the reality is. The reality is this team is constructed to be to win a playoff series, yep, not to win the Eastern Conference playoffs. And yep. and I think that's by design. I think you have to go and prove that this core group of players can can contend and win a playoff series. And then you make the leap and try to, you know, once you build that culture, then it's easier to convince someone, hey, we're one piece away. That's what this whole journey has been about for the Hornets. That's what signing Batum was all about. They, they To get the team to a place where they were one piece away. And I think that's right. where they are. I mean, if you ask me definitively, where are the Hornets right now? They're one piece away. They're one, they're, they're a third dominant score away. And yes. and so could they make that trade this season? There are certainly going to be options to make that deal this season. I don't I don't think so. I don't think they'll make that deal. I don't think they're ready to move yet because again, I think the worst thing that could happen, David, is that you do make that move and then lose in the first round. That's the nightmare scenario. And and so, you know, I I, say, I just think that they have to prove that as a group, this group can win a playoff series, and then you go out into free agency or next year in the trade market and try to convince, you know, one one player uh, that, mm-hmm. that they, they are the final piece of the puzzle. Uh, yeah. But, you know, sorry to on this Monday to, to break out that little piece of reality, but, you know, we've seen again. <laughs> you, I mean, you look back, no, you look back at the Spurs game, you look back at the Knicks game, and when, what are the trends that we keep seeing? That yeah. it's the superstar. It's the player sure. that you can throw the ball to and, and you can't stop their game. You can't stop Carmelo's game in the fourth quarter or in overtime. You can't right. stop DeMar DeRozan. You can't stop Kawhi Leonard. When they want to get a shot, they're going to get a shot. Now, maybe it, maybe it goes begging, but the shot is there. And the Hornets don't necessarily have that player on their roster, as well as Kimba has playing. And by the way, his scoop layup is it's perfect. Oh. It's, if it were rated on NBA 2K, if they had a scoop layup, layup category, he would get a 100. He hit them time after time against the Knicks. It was incredible. He's gotten so good at finishing inside, and he's that was a problem earlier in his career. And this is something we've kept track of just uh, informally. But if he gets past a guy, you can almost count as going in. And he's timed it so well; he knows how to get that scoop shot up with you know minimal effort and so quick that those guys can't react. And you're getting around these big guys too. I mean, that's the most impressive thing. That now that one against the Spurs where he was like. <laughs> flying 100 miles an hour, jumping up in the air, scooped it up down from his knees while he was going the opposite way. That was that was a circus, unbelievable shot. But he's hitting those regularly, those little one hand scoop shots, which is which is just a testament to him and how hard he's worked. I mean, to be honest, well, but yeah, you, you, not to interrupt your point, but it's it, it can't be overstated. No, you you helped me make my point. This is why we're a good team because you taught mm-hmm. the the key word there, David, or the key phrase there. Minimal effort. I was going to say, like, on these scoop layups, he he looks, and I don't mean this in a bad way, he looks bored. 
he looks like I knew I was going to get this. I, I've been practicing this over and over. Yeah. And and in the middle of the move, he's like, "You're done. This is over. I've got two points." And that yeah. I mean, that to me signals again a a just a next level kind of game that that Kimba Walker is playing. And it can result. I think it results when you don't have to give all of that effort when you're not hitting the floor every time you go up for one of those scoop layups. And by the way, you're not always looking for the contact foul. That was a problem with Kimba Walker earlier as well so when that's not happening you can suddenly instead of your cap being 20 points it can now be 30 points or 40 points because you've Mm -hmm. got that extra little something in the second half to make it happen okay so uh thank you for those questions Dwayne. if you've got a question you can email them to us buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com or as always you can tweet us those questions at lockedonhornets Okay, the Hornets get back at it again tonight in Memphis. Tip is set for 8 o'clock p.m. It's a rematch of last Monday's shellacking at the hands of the Grizzlies, that one taking place in front of the home fans in Spectrum Center. It's also the front end of a back-to-back. The Hornets will hustle back to Charlotte to play the Detroit Pistons on Tuesday. So many games, David. So many. Games Games on games on games. So let's let's break this down. So on the – Front half, you'll, you'll be interested to see what adjustments they make. I mean, here's the thing, Doug. They can't play any worse, I don't think, than they did against no. Memphis the can't first get, time Can't around. get off to a slow start. The Grizzlies outscored the Hornets 32-22 to in that first quarter, but and really that, that depended. It, it was only 10. Could have been 15 had the Hornets not made a, a small run there at the end of the first quarter. But yeah. yeah can't start I mean, slow. and I just, I don't, the, I like, the Grizzlies are really good, and Conley is good, and um, Gasol is obviously, I mean, they're good. I don't know if they can play that much better than they did in Charlotte, you know, to, to look at the other side of the coin there. So uh, it should be a much different game. Getting that win on Saturday was huge, so this team can turn things around. But, I mean, a lot of the same things are going to still creep creep up uh, on this team if they don't start to correct it. I mean, injuries would be the biggest thing. But so far, I mean, you know, they have had guys step up when when called upon, which is, which is good to see. But uh, getting back to that question, I mean, they have to stay healthy for them to achieve what they want to achieve. So that's, that's the big thing. And the star, and you mentioned couldn't play any worse. I mean, Marvin Williams, 0-6 from the field. Roy Hibbert yeah. uh, could only play a little under uh, 11 minutes in this one because he was still working his way back into the lineup. Also, I think just having Marcus All out there neutralize a little bit of Roy, what Roy Hibbert could give you. But Nick Batum was one of seven from the field. Kimba Walker was six of fifteen, good, but but not as good as he's been. He was one of seven from beyond the arc. So no that Cody was tough, though, right? So they'll have Cody tonight where they didn't last week. Exactly. That's a big point. I think getting Cody Zeller back against Marcus Saul is going to make a big difference, especially because I think everything offensively for Mike Connolly in that last game started with a Marcus Saul pick. So, you know, having that ability to I think defend that pick and roll a little better with with Cody Zeller well, is going to make a big difference. Mike Connolly was the difference in that game. 31 points, 11 of 21 from the field in that last contest. Only been seven days. Here's the positive if you're if you're a Hornets fan. So you look at the score from the from the last game, 105-90, and he, and you remember it and you go, man, that, they dominated the Hornets. But the Hornets were able to defend the Memphis Grizzlies in the second half, only allowing them, what, 36 points in that yeah. second half. So they've proven that that they can do it, and, and they got some success 
from the second unit in this one. Now, they they may be without Bellinelli, so you could see, again, more minutes for Jeremy Lamb. They're, they're definitely going to be without Marvin Williams. Uh, Frank mm-hmm. Kaminsky versus Jamichael Green, I think that's going to be a big matchup. They The Memphis Grizzlies may be without Zach Randolph, who's uh, a mother tragically passed away on Thanksgiving. He, uh. yeah, it's so tough. He's so he's missed the past couple of games. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Locked On Hornets for the latest information on that. Um, tough situation there for the Grizzlies, uh, but uh, Zach Randolph, seven of fourteen from the field in that last one, and four of six from the field in the fourth quarter. He was a big focus of their offense on the fourth quarter. So. Uh, if if he if he does miss the game, that could be uh, a big impact on this contest. So a lot of different factors swirling around, David. But it all really comes down yeah. to two things, to me in my mind: starting fast, or or at mm-hmm. least competing in the first quarter, and then also what what Clifford keeps saying: they pick and choose when this team picks and chooses when it wants to defend and rebound. Yeah. Well, they better yeah. pick and choose that they want to rebound mm-hmm. and defend in in Memphis, or it's going to be another long night. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard Clever before the Saturday night game, but he highlighted that during that four-game stretch, they're like 27th in the league in defense, whereas you know prior in the first 11 games, they'd been, what, top five. So it had really dipped off, and I don't know if anyone else caught this little interesting nugget that could have been a Freudian slip. It just could have been something that uh, he wasn't thinking all the way through, or it could have been, I think, how he truly believes. But, Doug, they asked him about – that they asked him about the defense he reeled off those numbers and then he said and now we're playing without our best defender and i don't know if you know but michael k gilbert's played in that game (laughs) so i think he was referring to marvin williams um and saying that and it goes to something that we've talked about just how much they think of marvin and how he kind of captains you know the back end of that defense um and at least how, how important he is in the eyes of the coaches and the teammates to, to how much they play defense. So just interesting. I mean, I think Clifford really thinks, you know, he's super valuable, which he is on defense. It's just interesting to hear someone, uh, you know, when there's so much talk about MKG, certainly the best individual defender, uh, but then he mentions Marvin in that light. So it goes to show you how much they think of him. Yeah. I, well, I think, you know, in that moment, he, he throws out the word sure. best and, but I'll say that I think that Michael kick Gilchrist. And I, I think if you, if you gave, Steve Clifford and uh, you know, a couple more minutes to talk about right. it. Right, it would uh, be what, Kid yeah. Gilchrist is the best. Wanna, I don't want to nail him down on that. No, I don't think I mean. you. No, I don't think you did. I'm just saying I think that MKG is the best one-on-one defender that the Hornets yeah. have. I think that uh, probably the better word choice there is that Marvin Williams is the most versatile defender, and he's the piece. Guarded. Yeah, it's like Mello and Porzingis. Exactly. I mean, who 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 does that, right? Nobody. And and it's 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 sort of like chess. I mean, there's certain pieces that you know allow you to to do different things, and and it's not you may in one game you may use that chess piece in one way, and another game you may use that chess piece in 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 a completely different way, and that's what uh, I think. That's what Marvin Williams represents for this Hornets team the most versatile defending piece because again you look at this game uh, that they have coming up and you know th- he could Marvin Williams could get in front of Marcus all if he wanted to don't know if you could say the same thing about Frank Kaminsky so it's it's going to be interesting uh, but I, I think it's good by the way for Frank Kaminsky to get this time I think this could be the best thing that happens to Frank Kaminsky all season is getting this opportunity to start and because it really forces him to be more aggressive defensively and we didn't even mention David Eight points 
in that final run against the New York Knicks. I mean, he was yeah. critical, critical. And and you got a little glimpse, I think, and Jordan was watching, but I think you got a little glimpse into what Michael Jordan may have seen in Frank Kaminsky that made him salivate and want to draft him is that ability to make shots and not be afraid. I mean, you know, I mean, not he, afraid. That's he, yeah, that's the big thing because he could have gotten down on himself from regarding Porzingis two nights in a row, right? Two nights in a row, and he didn't play well, really, nah. up until I think it was like two two of eleven when he hit the first three pointer, uh, and, and that was just a simple pick and pop play, and then he hits that crazy layup, just just a weird, but he avoids. I think uh, Hernan Gomez was trying to get him to uh, to to draw a charge there, and yep. he he bends his body in a way that doesn't really make sense for a seven footer like the way he and and we all know that Frank Kaminsky was was a point guard you know in high school and before he sort of had a growth spurt and, and became a center but you know he the way the way he does handle the ball and the, the the vision that he shows at some points and and his ability to make shots at the end of a game like that I think again are the the things that those of us that are that are desperately trying to defend that pick even now, are saying okay? Yes, those are the spots where you go. Okay, maybe, maybe there's something special here, and and you know he continues to build on it this season. As I said, all right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us again. We'll be back all week. No more days off, David. Well, maybe maybe around Christmas we may, we may no take, days off. We may take a day off around Christmas, but yeah. Until then, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow to recap this Memphis game. We'll also preview the Detroit Pistons game. We're just all over it, and that's the cool thing about this this being a daily thing. You're never going to be out of the loop. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Grizz. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.